0: Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including some college basketball. The Duke Blue Devils were up by nine points with a minute and a half to go while visiting a Wake Forest team that was next to last in the ACC going into the game and remains in that position as we speak. Down nine in what looks like the fifth losing season in six years of the Danny Manning era. The Deeks rallied in front of the home crowd. The Deeks got it to overtime. Senior Brandon Childress, son of our recent guest, Randolph Childress, was one of the stars and he got a lot of help along the way. They got it to OT. It went to double OT. It was Duke falling at wake 113 to 101. Duke fans, I have a question for you. ACC fans, a question for you. College basketball fans more generally. Did you know that current members of the ACC have won six of the last 11 national championships? At this time yesterday, I would have classified Duke as the ACC's best chance to win it all this year. And I'm not gonna give up entirely on the Blue Devils. It is only one game, but as Coach K said last night, By your 28th game, you're not supposed to show your youth so much. He loves to use the word older, and he doesn't just mean chronologically. He means a mix of age and experience and chemistry, etc. Coach K said, you would hope we'd be older by now, but we were not that tonight. Turnover's late, let it get away. Bad judgments in terms of foul trouble. Let it get away. It was Duke falling at Wake Forest. And if you're one of those who believes that maybe the ACC can keep that amazing streak going, six of the last 11, remember Carolina twice, Duke twice, Louisville, not quite at that point an ACC member, but now an ACC member, of course. UVA just last year. Six of the last 11 national champions have been from the Atlantic Coast Conference. When you win more than half of a sports ultimate prize. As a league, it's not like the Big 12 schools aren't trying hard or the Big 10 or the SEC or all the rest. Heck, there's only a few schools beyond the six the ACC have won that have won in the last 11 years. UConn, remember, won twice. Villanova won twice. Kentucky won once with John Calipari and that Anthony Davis MKG team of almost a decade ago. Six of 11 from the ACC, and here on February 26th, You just saw more of Duke's warts. Florida State, which, by the way, has never won a regular season ACC title under Leonard Hamilton. He has been there for 18 years. He did lead the Seminoles to the ACC tournament title. That is the official champion. I was there. That was uh, eight years ago at this point. He's never finished first in the regular season. And you know where the Seminoles are right now thanks to some struggles at Louisville and Duke. First in the ACC standings, they are 14-3. and three. They visit Clemson. They visit Notre Dame. They host Boston College. If Florida State can sweep those three games, FSU will have its first regular season conference championship in 18 years under Leonard Hamilton. Some think he is a great candidate for the ACC Coach of the Year for a variety of reasons. We will talk college basketball. What is your view of such things when it comes to the ACC's dominance? I'll offer more of my two cents. Basically, the question is this. Is it somebody else's turn this year? Does Duke have enough warts that you're worried about the Devils given what happened last night? And remember, this is two of the last three Duke has lost. When you go Coach K's five NCAA title teams, we're not going on the road to an unranked Wolfpack team and losing by 22 And then going on the road to a next to last place Wake Forest team and losing by double digits and double overtime. They're they're just, I'm not saying they didn't lose any games in February. They did. But none of Coach K's five national champions looked like the Blue Devils we saw at state and at Wake, period. Look it up, and you can only agree if you do your homework. Now, does that mean this team is doomed? Of course not. They have one of the goats pushing the buttons. We'll see how it plays out, but Duke falling at Wake makes a lot of folks wonder about the Blue Devils, Florida State has some offensive challenges at times. Louisville has had a skid recently. Maybe it is somebody else's turn to win the NCAA title in men's basketball. Again, the ACC's current schools with six of the last 11. Is it somebody else's turn to win it all? You can chime in on that as it is one of my themes of the day, and I will extrapolate from there. Jerry Palm from CBS Sports Bracketologist will drop by next hour. The hero of last night, or one of them, the head coach Danny Manning, Year six with Wake Forest. When Kevin Keats gets a big win, he joins us. When Roy Williams gets a big win, he joins us. When Wes Miller has a big game tonight, in his case, SOCON Showdown at Greensboro Coliseum with Furman visiting UNCG, two of the three best teams in that league. That's this evening, remember. Danny Manning gets a big win last night. Danny Manning joins our show about halfway through hour number two. It is senior night for, among others, The senior guard, Brandon Childress, again, son of Randolph. He has been a special person and special player for that school and university and basketball program. Two transfers also will be honored on senior day slash night. It's a late afternoon game against Notre Dame on Saturday at the Joel. Of course, last night was the big win, 113-101, double overtime. Brandon Childress and Sean D. Brown and Olivier Saar and others, all five starters actually did good, did good things against the Devils. That's what it takes sometimes to beat a top-ten opponent. The fans were jacked up. Now they have both the victory over Carolina and a victory over Duke to celebrate there at the Joel. Of course, we know the bigger picture, a losing season remains likely for Wake as we come down the stretch of the regular season. You can jump in on the question of the day, Duke falling at Wake, or of course, Carolina beating NC State in Chapel Hill. It was the Tar Heels over the Wolfpack earlier this season, about a month ago in Raleigh. It was the Tar Heels 85, NC State 79 last night in Chapel Hill. I was at the Canes game, so I only saw most of state Carolina and some highlights from Duke falling at Wake Forest. But you can chime in with your questions or comments or observations or complaints from those two games, 1-800-849-2761. Where does the Wolfpack go from here? It's one thing to be swept by the Tar Heels. In most of my three-plus decades covering this stuff, guess what? Carolina almost always has the better team than NC State, duh. Roy Williams is now... 31 and 4, all time as a head coach. Uh, th- excuse me, 37 and 4, all time as a head coach against the Wolfpack during his time at Kansas and UNC. Carolina is the last place team this time. You're not supposed to get swept. By your rival when they're having one of the worst seasons in school history, that has what has happened. That is what has happened. Kevin Keats' team remains near the bubble, but nervously so. Tar Heels sweep the Wolfpack as they usually do, but this time Carolina does it from the ACC basement, and it's the Wolfpack that has a resume that is far more worthy of NCAA tournament consideration. You can jump in on that. Cole Anthony and Garrison Brooks of the Tar Heels clearly have figured out a way to be good in the same game. I mean, it took a long time for that to happen. It's happened a couple times now. The freshman point guard and the junior forward, the best players on that team, for whatever reason, they just had not been good in the same game. And Cole Anthony is not your prototypical point guard the way Carolina does things. It's been a process filled with growing pains. Cole Anthony was unselfish last night. The shots he took were responsible ones. He's still not a great assist man, but he had five of those last night to go with 19 points. Garrison Brooks was just phenomenal. 30 points, nine rebounds, great from the field and uncharacteristically great from the free throw line. 14 out of 16 he made as the Tar Heels got the close victory. Christian Keeling, the transfer who was invisible for months for the Tar Heels, has been really playing well for the most part lately. He had another really good game last night, the transfer from Charleston Southern, 16 points, seven rebounds off the bench. He hit two out of his four threes, seven for nine from the field overall. When the Tar Heels were playing with Christian Keeling, they outscored the Wolfpack by 24 points. He was that impactful as a player after being mostly invisible for months. It's just one more little arrow pointed in the right direction for the Tar Heels in a season otherwise filled with misery and disappointment. You can jump in on the Tar Heels over the Wolfpack from either perspective. You can jump in on the Deeks over the Devils from either perspective. I'll offer more of my two cents, of course, throughout today's program. Sarah Sivian is also going to join us today. She covers the NHL and the Carolina Hurricanes with distinction for The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. So Jerry Palm, bracketologist, second hour. Danny Manning of Wake Forest, midway through the second hour. Sarah Sivian on hockey in hour number three. I'll sprinkle in my observations about the Canes, who lost 4-1 last night to a really hot Dallas Stars team. I would not reach for the panic button, although the Canes are at least temporarily out of the playoff picture by – just two points, one of the teams they're chasing has actually played three more games than the Canes have, so in a sense, they're still in good position, chasing Columbus and others. Sebastian Ajo and Andres Svechnikov extended their long point streaks last night. They are both making the right types of history. They just did not get enough help as the new-look Canes, Vinny Trocek and Brady Shea made their Canes debuts. Alex Nedeljkovic, it wasn't a Canes debut for him, but he did take the loss in net after being called up from the Charlotte Checkers because of the James Reimer, Peter Morazic, and David Ayers story that we explored with the world's most popular emergency goaltender, David Ayers, as one of our guests on yesterday's program. We will get into some NBA, where Zion Williamson of Duke and Kobe White of Carolina were among the superstars just last night. We will dive in as well on the retirement of one of the most financially successful female athletes ever. You may not even know her name is this high on this list, but I will elaborate as we welcome your calls. NFL, they may be on the brink of 10 more years of labor peace. The players have a proposal in front of them today that if they sign on, the NFL will have labor peace all the way through the 2030 season. If you're on the owner side or on the player's side, you can get into those details, but the bottom line for most NFL fans is they just don't want to see a strike or a work stoppage or a lockout or any of that stuff. That can be dodged perhaps as early as today. As 2,000-plus NFL players cast ballots, you only need one more yes vote than no vote from the players for this to become the new collective bargaining agreement, an 11-year proposal on the table in front of the players already approved by the owners and forwarded to the full membership of the NFLPA by the team player representatives a little bit earlier today. NFL, NHL, NBA, a lot of college basketball, and one of the most financially successful female athletes ever. Pretty good at her craft as well, better than many people think, choosing to retire at a relatively young age That news came down the pike a little bit earlier today. Those headlines, your phone calls, Duke falling at wake, Carolina beating NC State again. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can chime in next on the David Glenn Show. Mack Brown of the University of North Carolina. we got to win now. Let's don't start looking at
1: rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win, and that's what we've done. And the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance?
0: Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn show.
1: I thought that was an unbelievable college
0: basketball game, especially, you know, for us in the area where the Big Four is so important with all the attention that all of our schools get being in the ACC conference. When you look at plays that guys made, the effort level that both teams played with, I thought it was outstanding and um, felt very fortunate to be a part of a game like that. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That guy, Danny Manning, sixth-year head coach at Wake Forest, will be our guest next hour. Jerry Palm, bracketologist, will discuss the ACC and everybody else, the Wolfpack and everybody else, and their place on or near the NCAA Selection Committee bubble. Selection Sunday, not too, too far away at this point, and the Wolfpack took a step back last night. Carolina 85, State 79 in Chapel Hill. Some of you have questions, comments, and complaints on that one. You can be next right now at 1-800-849-2761. Danny Manning next hour, bracketologist Jerry Palm next hour, Sarah Sivian on the NHL, on the, and the new look Carolina Hurricanes, who took a step back of their own last night, losing to a really hot and really good Dallas Stars team on home ice. Had a lot of fun, Canes with DG style. Great to meet Pam and other listeners at PNC Arena. But the talk of the town is college basketball. As we welcome your calls and also get to some other headlines, NFL, NBA, and otherwise that I had promised, including, did you know, one of the most financially successful female athletes ever has decided to retire. That news came out a little bit earlier today. And I think that the name would surprise many of you, even though if you're listening to sports radio, assumedly you have a pretty deep interest in sports overall. When I think successful female athletes on or off the field, the ice, the court, the whatever, the first name that comes to mind is both the current GOAT of female athletes and I think the all-time GOAT, at least in my lifetime, Serena Williams. And if that's – she did not retire, just to be clear – That name is both performance-wise one of the greatest of all time and financially in a world where you all know the deal here, other than tennis, where, believe it or not, the money is often just as good, if not better, for the women than it is for the men. Almost everything else that we follow, the money overwhelmingly goes to the men. I mean, the size of the NBA's economic model compared to the size of the WNBA economic model is just... Mountain and molehill. Uh, Seriously, it's that extreme. So Serena Williams is both the most financially successful female athlete ever. Just dollar for dollar, not just what you win on the tennis court, but all the endorsements and secondary income that she has. You know who's second on that list? And I mean, in the history of the world which is tilted toward a little bit of a recency bias, obviously, because the dollars are much bigger now in women's athletics than they were in the 20th century or certainly prior to that. Heck, half the 20th century, many people didn't even think women should be allowed to play sports at various levels. The Russian tennis star Maria Sharapova, number two behind only Serena Williams on the all-time female athlete money list, announced her retirement earlier today at 32 years old And she did it in a style as we welcome your college basketball phone calls. Duke falling to Wake, Carolina beating State in Chapel Hill. Question of the day, with the ACC's current members having won six of the last 11 NCAA titles in men's basketball, is it somebody else's turn? Because with Duke stumbling lately, At state, at wake, neither was a ranked opponent. They lost both by double digits. Louisville has had an identity crisis lately. Florida State is a really good team that may finish in first place, but the Seminoles are not overwhelming offensively, even as they are definitely dominant defensively. I'd take Kansas before I would take any of those teams. I'd take Baylor before I would take any of those teams. I'm not sure how many others I would add to that list. Gonzaga, San Diego State, dominant teams from lesser conferences. Maryland or somebody else you might like in Big Ten country. There are plenty of candidates, but as a guy who's covered the ACC for a long time and who created accsports.com more than 25 years ago, I usually head toward March Madness thinking that the ACC has either the best candidate to win it all or one of the best candidates to win it all. Even last year, amidst a lot of skeptics and naysayers, I told you to believe in the Virginia Cavaliers. I don't feel the same way about any of these ACC teams this year as I did about Duke in 2015, about Virginia in 2019, about Carolina in 2009 or 2017. This year, the ACC offers some candidates, But, man, we're seeing a lot of warts, even for the best teams. And, again, none of Coach K's five NCAA champions had losses in February like by 22 at unranked NC State and by 12 at unranked Wake Forest last night. Gary and Wilson wants to start the phone calls. You can be next with yours, 1-800-849-2761. Quick follow-up on Maria Sharapova. She is not only a tennis superstar, and a lot of folks – confuse her with, you know, an Anna Kornikova or somebody like that, nickname, wise guy, Anna Portikova, because she's a lot more about glamour and looks than about actual tennis excellence. It's easy to forget that Maria Sharapova, Some call her a cheater, by the way. She had her own Houston Astros-style scandal not long ago, except hers was banned substances, not stealing signs with the use of electronic equipment. She's both a Russian tennis superstar with the asterisk because of that uh, long suspension related to banned substances, but she's been a supermodel as well. And there are a lot of people uncomfortable with the juxtaposition of those two things. Heck, some feminists I know would be mad at Maria Sharapova for making some of her millions because she's beautiful and because she's marketable and because she created her own company unrelated to tennis, but she also was a better tennis player than many remember. Tennis superstar, supermodel as well. When you win five Grand Slam singles titles, that's the all-time, you know, those are the majors of the tennis world. She won five of them. So unless your name is Serena Williams, right?, or, in you know, before I was born, there were some other tennis superstars. But unless your name is, in more modern times, Serena Williams or a Steffi Graf or a Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova from my youth where they were dominating the, the stage worldwide, Monica Sellis, Billie Jean King, some of these names earlier than others. Unless you're on a short list, Venus Williams, Serena's sister, would also be on this list. Maria Sharapova and her five majors – Like, seriously, in my lifetime, in women's tennis, that puts her in the top 10. Remember that Serena's gobbled up 23 of those Grand Slam singles titles. And prior to Serena, people like Steffi Graf and Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova had 18, 22 in that range. So to get five while others like Serena in your range age-wise are dominating the way Serena has... Getting five makes the recently retired Maria Sharapova more of a tennis superstar than you may recall. She is certainly worthy of consideration as that supermodel as well. How did she retire? Appropriately enough, in an essay she wrote for the Vanity Fair and Vogue magazines and websites. That pretty much fits the theme, right? She's only 32. She was number one in the world four different times, most recently in 2012, but she has not been relevant in any major over these last couple of years. Her most recent Grand Slam title was the 2014 French Open. That was before her 15-month suspension when she was caught using a banned substance. By the way, as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, college hoops and other things. Maria Sharapova, and Serena Williams and many of those others that I mentioned, if you looked at the most financially successful athletes in women's sports, like eight of the top ten are tennis players, the men would be all over the place, right? You might have like an F1 driver, and you're going to have international soccer superstars, and you're going to have NBA guys, and depending on the year, you'll have a baseball player. You might even have a a hockey player, an NFL player. It's going to be all over the place, In women's sports, eight of the top ten most financially successful women in recent vintage, including Serena at number one and Maria Sharapova at number two in a lot of these years, it's all about tennis. Why? Because that's one of the only sports where the prize money is the same for women as for men. And because of the popularity of women's tennis, The endorsements that come along for many of the best of the sport also are Mega Millions as well. The only exceptions, by the way, Danica Patrick is now a retired driver, but she still makes a lot of money with her NASCAR background, Uh, Ronda Rousey from MMA fame, and Alex Morgan, probably the top-paid women's soccer player. Otherwise, it is tennis player, tennis player, tennis player, tennis player, tennis player on the women's side. Maria Sharapova retiring today at 32, one of the shining examples of that. 1-800-849-2761. Let's let Gary get the phone calls rolling. It was Tar Heels over Wolfpack in Chapel Hill. It was Duke falling at Wake Forest. The Devils were up by a lot with a minute and a half to go, and Wake came roaring back. Brandon Childress was emotional in the aftermath. He deserves a lot of credit, a senior who was doubted by many, as his emotional words suggested after the game. Credit to Danny Manning as well. The embattled 60-year coach is going to join us in about 60 minutes. Has now beaten Carolina and Duke in Winston-Salem just in the last couple weeks. So still only 12-15 and overall. Still next to last in the ACC standings, but two shining moments in front of the home fans at the Joel in Winston-Salem. Gary and Wilson, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead.
1: Thank you, David, and congratulations to Danny and his new group of miracles.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: that was something. Uh, I would say that Duke is still very capable of a national title. I I would like to give Wake Forest great credit last night, and I have three numbers that I think would prove the level of play they the Deacons had. Lay it on us. Uh, in a 50-minute game, they shot 50 foul shots. Yeah. Uh, they uh, only shot 11 three-pointers. They actually worked the ball inside and then back out and got points that way. And most importantly, only committed 12 turnovers again in a 50-minute game and against
0: Students, yeah, that is good. Never
1: would have anticipated the number being that low. And I will throw in, it was great to see the enthusiasm in the Joel and the, the students and the fans uh, embrace the victory they got to witness uh, last
0: night. Gary and Wilson, thanks for chiming in on that. We have lines open for upset Wolfpack fans, celebrating Tar Heel fans, concerned Duke fans, and of course, Wake fans have something to be happy about for a change. It was Deeks over Devils. It was Heels over Pack last night in college basketball. I'll keep you up to date on the NBA, NFL, NHL, and other headlines. We'll come back to college basketball on the other side because Gary circled something important. For those who didn't see the game, Wake did go inside. When Vernon Carey, Duke's big man, fouls out without even playing 20 minutes, that's a 50-minute game, right? That's your best player. Uh, Some say Trey Jones. I would still argue Vernon Carey Jr. is an even more impactful player, although Trey as a leader can impact the game in even different ways. They're two all-ACC talents, and Trey Jones was out there for 47 minutes out of 50 and almost you know, helped Duke get that victory. Again, up nine with a minute and a half to go. Vernon Carey Jr. showed his inexperience by fouling out while playing only 19 minutes. Your team had to play 31 minutes without you. Otherwise, you don't lose at Wake Forest. Again, credit to the Deeks. Why? Because they did go inside. They've seen Vernon Carey Jr. get into foul trouble in other contexts. He is, by the way, a good shot blocker. But a lot of people make the mistake of equating if you're automatically if you're a good shot blocker, you're automatically a brilliant defensive player. I can promise you there are all sorts of guys who have been among ACC leaders in shot blocking over the years that an NBA scouter say, that dude can't guard anyone. He's blocking shots because he's what, 6'10 or whatever, and he's protecting the paint. He's the, rim guy. he's the rim protector type guy. That doesn't mean you can defend you know, a pick and roll. That doesn't mean you can be smart about which shots you're going after to block. That doesn't mean you can be smart about when you have foul trouble, how you play differently at the defensive end. You know, you're no good once you're on the bench with five fouls. And the Devils had to play 31 minutes without Vernon Carey Jr. When Coach K says things like, we show our youth so much, by the 28th game you'd hope we'd be older by now, but we were not that tonight. He's talking about a lot of things, but one of them is exactly that. Credit to Olivier Saar. He's an experienced dude. He's actually a good Danny Manning project. He's from France. He was not, you know, a McDonald's All-American. By his junior year, he's putting up good, good numbers. He's playing smart basketball. And he had a career high... Number of points last night, 25 for Olivier Saar, many of them at the expense of Vernon Carey Jr. If you put up a career-high 25 and get your opponent's best big man in foul trouble and then help foul him out, you had a heck of a game. I mean, Brandon Childress was the star coming back from really poor shooting early to lead a victory over the Blue Devils, but Olivier Saar was a co-star. So you have the junior center being his best self three years into his career, and you have the freshman big for the Blue Devils being a shadow of himself, not because he's not talented, but because, as Coach K said, they didn't play older. There were other examples of that, and that's one of the reasons to be concerned if you're a Duke fan hoping for another ACC title or hoping to put that sixth NCAA championship ring on Mike Shashevsky's fingers. 1-800-849-2761. We'll come back to your College Hoops phone calls. I'll tell you more about the Duke and State narratives after their loss. Carolina and Wake getting the victories. We'll take calls from all four fan bases, among others. 1-800-849-2761. The college basketball lingering question of the day is after current members of the ACC have won six of the last 11 NCAA titles in men's basketball. When you watch Duke and Louisville struggle... And others have other questions about Florida State. Do you believe this year it is somebody else's turn? Some other team, some other conference? Six out of 11 for a single league, any league. In this case, the ACC is about as dominating as it gets in men's basketball, at least since, you know, UCLA was winning one after another for John Wooden in the old Pac 8, now Pac 12. Uh, six out of 11 is pretty amazing. Little by little, Duke and Louisville and sometimes Florida State are giving us reasons to doubt even the big three members of the ACC. 1-800-849-2761. Danny Manning live in less than 60 minutes. Jerry Palm, bracketologist, live in less than 30 minutes. Sarah Sivian on the Canes and other hockey. The new look Canes fell last night to the Dallas Stars as Caniacs got a look for the first time at guys like Vinny Trocek and Brady Shea in a Canes uniform. The latter was not really impressive in his debut, but doesn't really know the system yet either, so no need to reach for the panic button. I was there at PNC. I'll see you there again on Friday night, as the Canes have their final home game for about a two-week period. After the Canes host Colorado on Friday, they're on a two-week, six-game road trip that includes head-to-head against the Islanders and the Flyers, two teams that they're chasing or in the mix for a Metro-slash-Eastern Conference playoff spot. So a huge two-week road trip almost here. Canes get a shot at the Avalanche on home ice on Friday before hitting the road. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls and more college basketball. And did you know five different schools here in our backyard – have players participating in the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. It's not just about Joe Burrow and Tua and Justin Herbert and the other quarterbacks. There are actually 17 QBs there in all. There are five different North Carolina universities represented as the current NFL players are casting big ballots on the future of that league, expanding the playoffs, no problem. Expanding the regular season from 16 to 17 games, that is a sticking point. For some of the more prominent NFL players, Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, J.J. Watt of the Texans have already come out and said they would vote no on this current proposal. But all you need is one more yes vote than no vote. And that means 10 more years of labor peace all the way through the 2030 NFL season. Again, only if the players cast enough of those yes ballots. 1-800-849-2761. Those three great guests are later. Your phone calls are next on The David Glenn Show mike lupica welcome back to the david glenn show sports used to be called the toy department and i said look at the political scene
1: and 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 tell me that's any more real or or more serious than what we see when people say oh stick to sports who passed that law
0: you're listening to the david glenn show David Glenn Show. Three great guests later. Good time for your calls now. College basketball. Duke falling at Wake. Carolina beating NC State again. This time in Chapel Hill. Whether you view it from the winner's or the loser's perspective, there are interesting questions to ask. For all involved, you can be next with your question, comment, or complaint. 1-800-849-2761. Danny Manning, head coach of the Deacons. In 45 minutes, Jerry Palm, CBS bracketologist. Where does the Wolfpack land now near the bubble after the loss at Carolina? They have plenty of big wins. People are still surprised to hear and learn this, but... Which two teams have the most quad one victories in the entire ACC? The answer is Florida State, which may be about to win this league. The Seminoles are 5-3 and three in the games that the selection committee deems the toughest. It has a unique, special definition. What, what does a quad one game mean? Well, if you beat a top 75 team at their place, it's a quad one win. But if you have a home game, you only get credit for a quad one win if they're top 30. Neutral site, it's in between top 50 opponent. Well, Florida State is five and three in these games that, remember, most resemble what you'll end up facing, quality opponents in difficult environments. All of those neutral sites come the NCAA tournament. But if Florida State is five and three in those games and the only other ACC team with five quad one wins is still NC State, well, your season's not over. It's not the only part of your resume. Of course, bad losses matter just like big wins matter, and now State has two losses to the last-place team in the ACC Carolina, but the Wolfpack ain't dead yet. If they can beat Pitt and Wake at home, even if they lose at Duke, they would go to Greensboro with a 10-10 and 10 conference record and right around the 20-victory mark. If you get a win there, then you're at 20 wins again. 21-12 two years ago, was good enough for Kevin Keats to get the Wolfpack into the big dance. That was not their selection Sunday record. I don't think that was their overall record after playing in the big dance. But they were a nine seed that year. So not barely on the right side of the bubble, but fairly close to it if you're a nine seed, right? Right now, they're on or near the bubble and took a step toward the wrong side by losing in Chapel Hill. Duke, again, falls at Wake Forest. You can be next with your question or comment by dialing 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. One of the coolest things that happened in all of sports last night as we go to Todd and Kinston, if you haven't seen it because it was a later game, Chris Paul, star for the Oklahoma City Thunder via Wake Forest, obviously, and Kobe White, the rookie for the Chicago Bulls, formerly of Carolina, obviously, went head-to-head. And if it was just the basketball angle, it still would have been a heck of a matchup. Again, I was at the Canes game, and I raced home, and I watched highlights of Duke falling at Wake, and, and then the second half of Carolina's victory over NC State. So I, I missed a lot of these highlights. But just basketball-wise, yeah, the Thunder, the better team, got the win. But Chris Paul late in his career, was one of the stars. And Kobe White, at the beginning of his career, obviously as a rookie with the Chicago Bulls, had a career-best 35 points. So just again, statistically, it was notable in part because Kobe White became the first rookie ever to score 30, 30 points or more in three straight games off the bench since they started recording such things. Like in the early 1970s, the Elias Sports Bureau started recording such things. Kobe White it wasn't just 35, a career best last night against the Thunder, three straight games for the former Carolina guard at the NBA level. Again, that's the first time it's ever been done by an NBA rookie, third time by any player overall in that, what, five-decade period. That's pretty cool stuff. For those who have been around a little while, you might add this layer. Chris Paul goes to the family area of the United Center in Chicago after the game. That's normal as well, right? You might have your spouse there, your kids there, maybe friends visiting from out of town. No. He went to the family area to see the family of Kobe White. Why? What AAU team did Kobe White play for during his time with the Tar Heels or before his time with the Tar Heels? Remember, Chris Paul is a lot older than Kobe White. Kobe White's a teenager who jumped to the NBA from Carolina. Chris Paul is in the twilight of his career. So their age gap is very significant. Sure enough, it was Kobe White and a reunion with Chris Paul. That was mentor-mentee. And they're both point guards, and they often were going head-to-head last night. Chris Paul helped lead the victory in part because he had a good game personally. And Kobe White almost helped the Bulls pull pull off the upset because he had that career-best 35 points. Kobe White's AAU coach for long stretches, was Chris Paul. That's part of what CP3 does with his offseason and has for a long time. Kobe White was an AAU player, remember, just two years ago. So I don't know how many years he was with CP3, but that was a really cool story that unfolded on the NBA stage last night. Zion Williamson, by the way, was individually brilliant for the Pelicans, again, as New Orleans lost to LeBron James and the Lakers. Kobe White, individually brilliant, for the Bulls as they lost to Chris Paul and Oklahoma City. Really cool stories from the NBA last night with local ties to two of the more sensational NBA rookies, really. Number one overall pick Zion Williamson of the Pelicans out of Duke and fellow lottery pick Kobe White of the Bulls out of UNC. Speaking of UNC, Todd and Kinston once in on last night's college basketball. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hey, Dave, good to talk to you again. I'll just make an observation and then I'll be quiet and let you talk. But uh, it's too bad that the uh, ACC rules wouldn't let Roy Williams schedule NC State about twice a week. We would be in good shape probably be able to make the tournament. 37 and one is 37, or 37 and four rather, is 37 and four, right? I mean, that's about as dominant as any rivalry gets. Well said, Todd and Kinston. I think he was looking forward to getting that punchline in. Uh, understandably so. I mean, if there's ever a year where the Wolfpack's supposed to get the Tar Heels, to his credit, Kevin Keats got the heels in the Smith Center, in his first year as the head coach of the Wolfpack. But in a season where there's, there's State fit, uh, fitting in at kind of ACC number five, right? We know Duke and Louisville and Florida State are going to be high seeds. It looks like UVA is going to put the finishing touches on a return to the NCAA tournament the year after winning it. And State, by far, has the best chance of being that other ACC team in. In the year where the Wolfpack – has those signature victories that suggest they're an NCAA-worthy team. And in a year where the, Wolf, the Wolfpack are facing the Tar Heels dead last in the ACC standings, State loses not once but twice. And really, neither one was a true nail-biter. Last night was 85-79. I get it. The Wolfpack uh, in Raleigh also had moments where it looked like they were going to win that game. But in the end, it's not like it was a la- it was a buzzer-beater or a last-second free throw or something like that. Those were two pretty solid wins for the Tar Heels over the Wolfpack as Roy Williams improves that career record to 37-4 and against the school he grew up disliking because too many of his state buddies would rub in too many Wolfpack victories way back when he was a kid in the early 1970s. 1-800-849-2761. Carolina, you know, has only one dream left. The Wolfpack can obviously have the last laugh. I don't know how all fans would react, but would you rather have a 2-0 record against one of your rivals or would you rather end up in the big dance, right? I mean, to me, state gets the last laugh only if the Wolfpack makes the big dance. I mean, rivalry games are rivalry games. You always want to win. You always want to go to the cubicle the next day and rub it in however you rub it in. But what's more important? What defines the sport of college basketball? It, is, it starts with one thing and only one thing, and it ain't a rivalry game. It is all about a 68-team bracket. And if you're not there, even after beating your rival twice, even if both were somewhat convincing, but they are there, that sounds a little bit like a hollow sweep to me. NC State, of course, has work to do if it's going to make sure that it is on the right side of the bubble come Selection Sunday. 1-800-849-2761. Danny Manning of Wake next hour. Jerry Palm of CBS, bracketologist in about 10 minutes. Sarah Sivian on the NHL. You can join us by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us I guess you were the wind beneath our wings there you go How's that? <laughs> do we what have a, background music that's for that? right that's Midler. there we go you
1: are the wind beneath my wings.
0: keep it right here on the David Glenn show are- Jerry Palm of CBS one of the original bracketologists actually has a mailbag that he calls talk to the palm which I would think is a wonderful creative moniker he gets a lot of angry texts and tweets at this time of year. Why didn't Duke fall more in the rankings because they lost at state and at wake, etc.? We'll ask the guy himself, Jerry Palm, bracketologist Danny Manning later on the David Glenn Show.